everyone, and welcome to episode 167 of Locked On Canadians. We are brought to you today by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. My name is Laura Saba, and I am one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing on this beautiful Canada Day, which is when we are recording this? Well, it's Canada Day in, you know, Canada. It's Wednesday in the United States as we prepare to do Independence Day on Saturday this week, but I'm doing quite well. i got to run a few errands later today, but I'm very much enjoying uh, my time off before the insanity this weekend. <laughs> well, if you are celebrating Independence Day this weekend, please remember to do so responsibly. And for both countries, as we celebrate this particular day, whether it's Canada Day or Independence Day, always remember that the greatest act of patriotism is trying to make your country as best as it could be. So we've got... We, we're gonna, you know, give you guys a peek behind the curtain again. We're recording this a little bit early. Our mailbags usually drop on Thursday, uh, on Friday, and we usually record them on Thursday night. But we have some personal commitments. We do have news that is valid at the time that we are recording this. And if anything changes, then I might jump in and add in an extra segment. But that's about it. Right now, as far as we know, Bob McKenzie has tweeted that it's likely two NHL hub cities has likely come down to Edmonton and Toronto. Again, that's not 100% confirmed at the time that we are recording this, but it seems like that is going to be the likely uh, eventuality. And I personally, while I believe that this is just, it's a dangerous thing to do to try and force the return to play to happen, I feel like the best possible outcome, given the rising rates at the time that they're making this decision, uh, the rising rates of uh, of infection of COVID-19 in all the other hub cities, I think at this point, it's it's probably the most prudent thing to do. However, as we've come to learn things with this with this virus, things can change from day to day, even and week to week. But. I guess, how do we feel about about both hub cities being in Canada? I'm so shocked that Edmonton managed to win something that came down to chance and picking them at random, it feels like. So they have plenty of practice (laughs) with this. It does make the most sense. The thing about Edmonton that made me laugh the most is that it's like, oh, well, they don't have the right facilities for the players that are up to their standards. And it's like... Didn't the Oilers, like, just spend billions of dollars building a brand new arena, like, two years ago? Is nothing built around that yet? Did they just build the arena and not develop anything around the area? Like, as a whole, I mean, Toronto kind of seemed like a smart bet. Vancouver, I believe, was not picked. But I'm glad they're picking places that seem to not be hotbeds for anything. I know Las Vegas was in the running for a good chunk of this, and then their COVID numbers started to spike again. And I'm glad the NHL just didn't plow ahead because they had the most facilities available for everyone. So it's actually very good to see the NHL is taking their time with doing this, even if it means that it's dragging this out and players don't quite know what's going on yet. Right, and it's it's important to note that in a vacuum where there is no virus being mismanaged by municipalities and, and, and states and provinces all over, 
that uh, Vegas would be a wonderful time to just throw a bunch of NHLers in for a limited period of time and, like, just think of the reality shows and stuff that could be spawned out of that. As a city, as a hub city, Vegas for me is 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 such a great idea, as would have been, you know, like the, the NBA idea with the Disneyland and everything. Like, all of those things in a perfect world in a vacuum with no virus, like, that's an experiment I would absolutely die to see. And 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 I'll be honest, like, Toronto and um, Edmonton aren't very high on my list when you're looking at it that way. I do want to say, though, that, it is a bit concerning that the reason that they didn't pick Vancouver was because British Columbia is being so careful with their restrictions. So that's also not a good sign. And as we talked about on our last episode, a lot of the players have a lot of apprehension about coming back. And for from our perspective, we keep saying, like, it has to be safe or don't do it at all. And the jury's still out as to how safe they're actually being in the coming weeks as all of the players get together and the training camps actually start. We're probably going to be hearing a lot more about infection rates and we're probably going to see some changes. We'll, we'll keep talking about it as time goes on. But also another piece of news that came out was remember when we talked about how we could expect a renewal of the current or an extension, I guess, of the uh, collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners uh, in the NHL. And this morning, Pierre Lebrun tweeted that the NHLers have managed to secure Olympic participation in 2022 and 2026. And that's extremely important. Again, this is not 100% confirmed. We have to wait for the announcement, the agreement and the announcement for us to be able to talk about it. But this is honestly phenomenal news. And we don't even know if those Olympics are going to happen. Like 2022 is two years away, right? So, and not even because it's going to be in the winter. So it'll be like, it'll be, it'll be about a year and a half away that we're talking. So we don't, we don't know what the conditions in the world are going to happen. We don't even know if the summer Olympics that were supposed to take place this year are going to happen. But for me, anytime you include the NHLers in the winter Olympics, it's amazing. It's a good time. You're really talking about the best of the best facing off against each other. The hockey is just so good, so skilled and so, so exciting. Like, I can't say enough about it. And if that's what happens, honestly, like, I'm so for it. And I think any hockey fan should be. Right, Scott? Yeah. And the thing is, 2022 is in Beijing, which is obviously in China, in the capital, or in the middle of China, the one of the biggest, most populous cities in the world. If the NHL really wants to grow its popularity and try and reach overseas, because they originally had games planned for China, I believe, where they were doing exhibition games and everything over there. This is a huge chance. And if you're going to do that and you want to grow the sport of hockey's popularity, bring the best players available. No offense to everyone who, you know, was in the last Winter Olympics and, you know, where we had guys on AHL contracts and 18-year-olds and stuff like that. Bringing your star players and putting on a true best-on-best tournament is how you make new fans. Connor McDavid at the Olympics, you know, is going to be next-level stuff for, you know, a country like Canada or even the U.S. with so many young stars coming up. The possibilities are endless for how exciting they could make this tournament, assuming all goes to plan and everything. But this is a huge chance for the NHL to finally kind of grow its brand overseas and they missed out on that with the last Olympics, but they're not going to miss out on this one, which is a great sign. 
And I finally might get the chance to relive my, or not relive, to, to see my dream of Claude Giroux and Sidney Crosby playing together for an extended period of time. I've always wanted that. I will never forgive Chris Kunitz for going to the Olympics in place of Claude Giroux. I don't know how many years ago. And, you know, I, I still think he should be thrown in jail for that. This is a phenomenal opportunity for us as fans, and it's a phenomenal opportunity for the NHL to grow the game. And I really hope that what Pierre Lebrun reported as tentative today is going to be confirmed very shortly. But it's not just about the Olympics. We have tons of stuff to talk about. You guys really came through for us when we said we wanted early mailback questions, and we're going to get to them in just a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. So if you're a noob like me, you'd love that. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, so this is the Friday episode, even though we're recording it early, and you guys really listened. You sent us your mailback questions early. We love you for it. Thank you so much. And, of course, as always, if you want to send us questions, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, or you can email us at LockdownCanadians at gmail.com. Scott, what do we have in the mailbag today? Uh, the first one comes from Matt Godbout, uh, at HabitForming1 on Twitter. Serious question. Say the Habs won the lottery. We are hoping. Ottawa's, and Ottawa's willing to trade number three and five for the first overall pick. Possibly something else small added in by, added by Habs, like a second or something. That, unfortunately, is not how it works. But, uh, would you do that? Why or why not? I would ve- I would be very careful about it because three and five, you're getting two top five draft picks, whereas originally you would have expected only one. But the difference is how good is uh, Alexis Lafreniere based compared to those two? Like if he's miles ahead, if he's a generational talent, that you don't do. But if it's something where it's like the top five players are all kind of like they're all really, really good. And then like one of them is just like kind of better than everyone else. Then in that situation, it's worth it. It's really worth entertaining. Like I'm not saying no. Obviously, if you are in uh, Montreal and you give up the chance at a Quebecois generational talent, like you will never be forgiven by the fan base. Every single mistake your franchise makes as long as that player is on your team is going to be criticized and ripped to shreds. 
So for me, it really does depend on who's going to be available to you at three and five and whether the addition of two elite players is actually enough to counter the generational talent that your number one pick might be. I'd have to see the package as a whole. Three and five is tempting, but to get the first overall pick, we've talked about it before, there's a graph that you have to equal the total value of that, and three and five alone doesn't do that, so Ottawa probably has to add more to that. Uh, I wouldn't do it either. I would take the draft pick. Montreal has a ton of other draft picks in this thing here, unless Ottawa really sweetens the pot with another prospect or, you know, NHL player who's ready to go right now, but... I uh, would not do that either. Uh, next, we're actually shifting to the AHL now, though. Uh, name a couple of players who played primarily in Laval this past season who stand the best chance to be regulars in Montreal within two years, from Jeff the Red. They have to have played in Laval this season? Yes, this past season. I assume we can stretch it a little bit if you wanted to, if it's a long-term <laughs> player, but... I don't know, because, like, does Kotkaniemi count? <laughs> I mean, technically, yes, uh, but, and the hard part about this is, like, half the roster changed midway through the year, so it's, like, it's hard for me to remember who was on this team this year, honestly. Right, so here's another, like, so here's my thing, is that, have we given up on Charles Houdon yet? Uh, no, I will never give up on Charles Houdon. We know this. And the other thing is, for Ryan Paling, is there a place, because we know that it's going to be, like, Jake Evans is probably going to be on the roster, right? Like, unless he gets traded away. That to me is the most sensible if you if you ignore all the like loopholes with like me trying to include Kotkaniemi or whatever. Jake Evans seems like the most uh no-brainer sensible choice that it's going to be he's going to be an NHLer. But at the same time, like Ryan Paling, I feel like what's going to happen is he's going to be good enough to make the team. There's not going to be a place for him on the team, and he's going to get traded somewhere else. Like, that is my feeling, and that could happen within the next two years. Yeah, my thought is Jake Evans was going to be one of my picks anyways, but Ryan Paling, I can see being a regular member of the Canadians within two years, and then also... Kale Fleury made the NHL roster, so I'm kind of cheating by including him, but I'm going to go ahead and include him anyways. So he is my other pick, but someone like Lucas Vedemo could be a useful piece. And then there's so many new players coming in that it's like, Jesse Yolanin joined the team and was going to play for them before the season got canceled. So we're getting really technical. I could include him as well, but... I think Lucas Vedemo and Ryan Paling are my two picks if we're already establishing that Jake Evans is making the Canadians already, so. Right, and so again, I want to just like quickly go back to the Charles Udon situation just because for me, I'm, I'm just, I'm so bummed about it, but I, I refuse to give up until he actually signs somewhere else or gets traded elsewhere, but I also feel like he could be a really good depth player on a different team, like maybe like, I don't want to say Carolina because I feel like they're stacked right now, but you know what I mean, right? Like a play, like a team that's like, it's there. It's almost there. It's not like Stanley cup caliber, but he's going to be like one of those depth players that gives them that little bit of an edge that you look for in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. And he's that kind of piece. It's like, we need a skilled person, you know, in our bottom six, we need someone who can score goals. 
it's a better option than no offense to Vedamo, who is more defensive based, but having that option there is always better than just throwing out another grinder. We saw how that went the last time the Canadians were in the playoffs and it wasn't pretty at all. Exactly. And it's been a while now. Hopefully, oh. I'm not going to hope that they make make it into the playoffs this year. I I just my ideal scenario is that they end up canceling the season and 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 just you know the the redraft happens and the Canadians had a shot either way, right? Because they were in the yeah. bottom of that of that playoff like back you know the top 24 or whatever you're talking about. So we've got a few more questions and we are going to maybe go off the rails in our final segment. So what else have we got, Scott? Uh, this one comes from Andy White, and this relates to uh, one of our show sponsors, actually. Here's a question for the mailbag that also makes sponsors happy. Have you tried Built Bars in other ways? For example, Frozen is excellent. Also, blended with ice cream is a great milkshake. Any other ideas? Well, I hadn't thought of either thing, but now I'm very curious. I feel like there is, there's quite a bit of, of stuff online about putting protein bars in the fridge or the freezer to make them, like, more of a treat. Obviously for us, Built Bar is a treat anyway, but I like the idea of blending it into ice cream because then it becomes kind of like a McFlurry, right? Yeah. And I, you know what, I'm going to try those and get back to you. But for the most part, I've literally just been like taking, taking them out of the box and eating them uh, just like that. You could, you could theoretically bake them into stuff like bake you know, cookies or brownies or whatever, but then why would you want to do that when you could just not spend that time doing that and eat them right off, right out of the box? I was going to say, blending it up into a milkshake sounds like a pretty good idea, honestly, and when I order my next box, maybe I'll have to give that a shot then and see. I Like you said, I hadn't thought about that, so that's actually a pretty, uh, pretty good idea there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we have in here? Uh, from Randy Hansen, happy Canada Day and happy Independence Day to our American friends. What is your favorite part of these celebrations? For him, I love the old part, the party in Ottawa celebrating all Canadians old and new. So the thing about Canada Day that I really like, the one particular, if, if I had to choose, is that there's always a special ceremony of people being sworn in as new Canadians on this day. And as a person who's an immigrant, who's been through that, who's been, who's done the swearing in and all of that, like, it's very hard for me to describe the, the, the feeling that you get in that moment, like becoming part of a new country, especially when I know how much, you know, my family sacrificed for us to get here, all of that, like, that is sort of like a culmination of that. And especially for people coming from countries where they might not have the privileges that we have as citizens, like becoming a citizen of Canada for me. And, and so to watch those and to watch people, especially from, you know, my background, you, you, you get the stories, you get the news stories and it happens all the time. So that welcoming new Canadians part, I'm getting a little bit emotional about this, but um, welcoming that the new Canadians like that to me is, is really, really fun. The one other thing that I will say, which right now is probably given what's going on in all, in a lot of parts of the United States with, you know, fireworks going off all the time. But I know that people are being kind of plagued with fireworks in their cities and not being able to, to sleep and all of that. But I like Canada Day fireworks, uh, you know, in a vacuum, I guess I'm going to say like that's that's really fun. Like when especially in Montreal, when you go to the old port and you go watch them, that's that's a fun thing for me. What about you, Scott? What's your favorite thing about Fourth of July? I love grilling an exponentially ridiculous amount of meat. 
having some fun beers and getting to just see people I haven't gotten to hang out with in a while. For the longest time, my 4th of July was sit up on my roof, watch the fireworks from the town park, and go to bed. Um, in the past few years, it's been more doing stuff with friends and getting out and getting to see people. Obviously, now things are a little bit different with certain distancings in place. I'm actually spending this 4th of July working in the morning and then going to barbecue uh, with my girlfriend's family on Saturday. So it's actually going to be nice to get to hang out and see everyone. We're going to go axe throwing in the backyard because they built their own axe throwing target. And it's a lot harder than it looks, I learned the other day. So I, I'm really looking forward to that, just getting some time to hang out and see people that, you know, I enjoy getting to spend a ton of time with. I'm so jealous of this axe throwing. Don't be. It's it. Honestly, it's not <laughs> as easy as it looks. It's like, oh, you just go and you throw it. No matter what, it sticks into the wood. Nope, it does not. It, it's so much more difficult than I thought that my pride was wounded when like the first 10 axes I threw, none of them stuck to the board. So, oh, wow. Was it in front of her parents? No, thank God. It was just in front <laughs> of her, which actually might be more embarrassing, honestly. So. <laughs> Uh, what else do we have? Uh, from Kevin Rogers. So which player do you want most when free agency opens on Wednesday? Oh, wait, never mind. So for the Habs to beat Pittsburgh in a best of five, oh, yeah, we want them to lose now, don't we? Well, then happy Canada and 4th of July to both of us. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Rogers. We love hearing from you. I think he was one of the OG, uh, you know, regular listeners, and yes. we love him so much for that. Uh, this one comes from Paul Branshow. Question for the mailbag. I recently was able to return the pandemic empties, and I'm wondering how much Skull Mitsubishi would hate me if I showed up with 468 Tallboy cans, 57 regular cans, 24 bottles, and 7 quart bottles. By the way, I got $100 for that return. And Wow. That's that's a lot. That's amazing. How much are you drinking is the other question. Here's the good part about this for me is I don't have to deal with bottle returns because we have those automatic machines at our store that does it for people. So I never have to see any of those returns ever, which is a blessing, a very big blessing. Because some of the people I've seen, like, I'll be getting there, you know, going in for my shift at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I will see someone pulling just garbage bags of cans out of the back of their truck and putting them into a shopping cart. And it's like... Oh God, it's 7.45 in the morning. Why would you do this to anybody right now? Like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Let's see here. That is everything except for, uh, it's time for the nemesis question of the week. From our nemesis, Will, here's a fun podcast question for you. Would you rather win the cup and have the Leafs win the number one draft pick? Or win the number one draft pick and have the Leafs win the cup? I'm not cheating, but there's a distinct possibility that the return to play will get canceled outright. And then the Canadians will have a chance at winning the number one pick and without having to have the Leafs win the cup. So that's going to be my answer. But if Will calls bullshit on that, I'm going to say, you know what? I can live with an asterisk Leafs cup for one year if the Canadians are going to get a generational homegrown talent that will transform this rebuild and turn it into an actual contending team, I will probably regret saying that because what's, what's going to happen literally what's going to happen is as soon as I post this episode on our, on our Twitter account, 
Will's going to quote tweet it and say, Laura wants the least to win the cup. I know exactly. I'm calling it right now. So I just want to quantify that um, or qualify that, sorry, and say, Will left me no choice but to choose, and I pick the generational talent and more cups than the Leafs will get in the next 20 years. How about that? I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say, so I have my reason for this. Toronto is up against the cap. They're, the cap is not going up for at least two to three years. And if they were to win the first overall draft pick and overpay him, like Kyle Dubas has done with every single one of their other players, they're eventually not going to be able to afford all of said players and are going to have to shed their talent to afford some of these people. So if Montreal wins the cup and causes Toronto to lose Mitch Marner and William Nylander at some point in all of this, I'm going to be pretty happy about that anyways, because we're costing Toronto in the long term, not so much right now. So my thought is Montreal wins the cup, Toronto wins uh, the first overall pick, and then promptly loses several of their star players because they cannot afford all of them. Long con. That's what I'm going with. (laughs) I can see the tweet now. I can't believe Laura wants the Leafs to win the cup, and I can't believe Scott wants the Leafs to get Alexis Lafreniere. (laughs) I'm the worst. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. Will is the worst. And I feel like we haven't (laughs) done enough trolling of the fact that Detroit did not get that first overall pick, even though they tanked historically badly. Yeah, I know. I... (laughs) Uh, I I feel dirty having to pick some of Will's questions. Like, this one actually made me think. I'll give him credit for that one. But I'm going to take – I'm going to stick with the long con over everything else. Yeah. All right. So one thing we disagree on, but we disagreed in a very friendly way, and I still think that an asterisk cup is better than – well, I guess now now that we know about the cap situation. And so for me, I guess all of this might be moot uh, if the Canadians don't win that first overall pick. I've seen so many people in the fan base pencil it in as if it's happening. We have to temper our expectations and we have to be really careful about this because what's going to end up happening is somebody like Minnesota is going to get him and I'm going to be so freaking devastated if that happens because Minnesota, like, are you even a thing? No, Minnesota, we, we established this at the start of this podcast. Half of the Wilds roster is not real people anyways. So like, they're not a real team. They're, they don't exist like at all, honestly. <laughs> and with that, we will wish you guys a happy weekend and happy Independence Day again. Please enjoy responsibly. Please be careful. There's still COVID out there. And if you've had anything to drink, please do not get behind the wheel. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for submitting all your questions. Of course, you can always tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. You can always email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. And also please rate us and give us a high rating if you like us so other people will be able to find us. Thank you so much for listening to us today. That wraps it up for today's episode of Locked On Canadians. Now tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NHL.